0: Hi, friends, welcome back. I'll be honest, I don't spend a ton of time thinking about my own death or fearing death, but I am intrigued about what happens after death. I've always believed that I have a guardian angel. I love angel signs and angel symbols. Whenever I see numbers that show in repeating patterns, I think of it as a sign. But a sign from who? From what? That's exactly what we're going to talk about today. My guest is Dr. Amy Robbins, a clinical psychologist and spiritual intuitive. She's also the host of the hugely successful podcast, Life, Death, and the Space Between. Dr. Amy helps awaken and transform people by using the wisdom of death. She believes that by starting with the end in mind, we can become more open, clear, conscious, and connected, not only to what's happening here, but also to the guidance from the other side. Welcome to the show, Doctor Amy.
1: Thank you. I'm excited to be here. I love yeah. being on this side of the mic. I know.
0: So you are a clinical psychologist mm-hmm. and a medium. Mm-hmm. Tell us about that, and what's your mission? How does the, how do those things come together?
1: Yeah, sort of. How this started for me was when I was 18 years old. I lost my aunt. She had diabetes. She went in because she was waiting for a transplant. She needed a kidney and pancreas transplant. And in order to get the transplant, they needed to make sure everything was working. You know, everything was functioning okay. And her heart was really weak. And so they brought her in to do heart surgery, you know, just to make sure that her heart was strong and repair any arteries. And when they went in, her arteries were so weak that they couldn't get her heart started again. And so she died on the table and that was really my first experience with death and in a way that was not orderly. So not grandparents. I actually just lost grandparents only a couple of years ago, but great grandparents, you know, where it's, it makes sense. She was 48 years old at the time, had young young children that were in college and high school. And it was just so shaking for me as you can imagine. And Uh, riddled with anxiety that really, I think, came to the surface pretty significantly after her death, but couldn't really put my finger on, okay, is this directly related to her death? I was a freshman in college. I went right back to college at the time and then kind of went on with my life. I started therapy the summer after I came home to deal with some of the issues around her death and how I had in my mind seen her life and, and, and seen my life as a mirror in her life in so many ways and really was working on that. Um, and then decided to go back to grad school. And while I was in grad school, it was the weekend before my cousin's wedding, her, so her son, who is like a brother to me. And I had what I now know is a visit. And many people will say it was a dream it was not. I can tell you there is such a difference between if you've ever had a after-death communication, a visitation, versus a dream. Dreams typically feel more fragmented. They're not as clear. Oftentimes, you can't remember them when you wake up. I can still remember this experience as clear as it was the the night it happened. And I remember it was really more twilight, like dawn hours. And I remember waking up and feeling like I wanted her to stay longer, like I wanted to talk to her longer. And so in this experience, what came through was she said to me, and I saw very vividly a picture in my mind's eye of her talking to me, but a vision of my mom standing at her kitchen sink, loading the dishwasher. And my aunt said to me, tell her, don't be upset. It's going to be okay. I'll be at the wedding. And so I called my mom as soon as I woke up the next morning, and I said, I just had this crazy dream because I didn't know it was anything more than that at the time, and Aunt Linda came to me, and she wanted me to tell you, don't be upset. It's gonna be okay. She'll be at the wedding, and my mom said to me, I was standing last night in front of, I was I was standing at the sink loading dishes into the dishwasher crying, and I said to her, I just can't believe you aren't gonna be at this wedding. And, and there were other pieces of, of this visit that were also confirmed, but I sort of dismissed it. I was in grad school at the time. I actually had a supervisor who was a teacher who was also into very grounded in psychological theory, but also into alternative healing practices. And she said, I think you're onto something. I want, I want you to encourage this and foster this. And I really dismissed it. And then it happened again when my grandfather passed away and he came through with messages for me for loved ones. And then it started happening with patients, loved ones who were starting to come to me. And that's when I thought I needed to get some sort of grip on
0: on things. <laughs> <laughs> well, right. That's that's um I can hear that in hindsight with a lot more perspective, you have the language and you you understand, but in the moment. And as these things were happening, what were you feeling? I had
1: always had an interest sort of in looking back. Uh, I was never one of the people who had experiences when I was really young of, which I think, you know, some of the mediums that are out there right now will describe like being children and this being their experience. They used to have imaginary friends that they now think might have been Guides or people from the other side that was not me so so this was a very sort of late and later in life experience um uh, mid not even later in life young adulthood but you know I was certainly curious about it and definitely it just felt like it brought me a lot of calm and peace that I didn't have from just Going to therapy and I'm a therapist. So I really like, I'm a huge proponent of therapy. I think everybody should be in therapy because I think it's great to know yourself intimately in that way. And it answered and helped me with a lot of things. But that fear of what happens when we die and that fear of how our life can just end in an instant and what that all means, sort of those existential Crises and questions, and what is our purpose and meaning? And what, how do you make sense of life really fell away for me after having these experiences? And frankly, has been so freeing because I don't live with that fear anymore.
0: Yeah. It sounds like you you didn't have fear around it, which is interesting because I think intellectually we might think like, oh, that would be frightening, or, but it, it sounds like you were, there was a reassurance in it.
1: Yeah, it was, it was really comforting to me. And now in, in hindsight, I realized that there had been other times she had visited me before then that weren't that where she came to me and told me that she was okay, that she was healthy. She looked healthy. Her skin looked very healthy. Again, I could describe to you in grave detail what this looked like because that's how clear it still is to me. Mm -hmm. And so it really, it really just eased me in so many ways. And I often find that when people are struggling with this fear, sort of this existential fear of what happens when we die, exploring it and opening it up and just being curious about it can really help. And it connects us in so many ways with those pieces of the universe that are really mystical and incredible and larger than just us. And it provides for such a richer life than this sort of 3D life that we see every day. Mm-hmm.
0: And how does it how does it inform your work now? What do you like I read that you, you know, for you bringing mindful connection to people is really important. And so as a therapist and as a medium, where do those two intersect now?
1: So I don't do Both. I really am still a therapist. I I don't do medium work in my therapy, but that's not to say that I am not using intuition all the time. And so I see them as intertwined, very much intertwined. And I think that people often think of intuition as this, this experience that's sort of outside of ourselves that like drops into us. And it's not that way at all. I, I do sort of trust where I'm being guided with my patients and what they need. And I try to rely on that. Now, obviously, I have a lot of experience with theory and understanding people from a theoretical perspective. And so that is in there. That's part of what informs my work. But I also, I want to look at people holistically. And I do think about this isn't to say that I will often say this to, to my patients that I work with because I want to meet people where they are as well. And so if you're not open to this or you don't believe this to be true, it's not my job to to kind of push my belief systems onto someone else. My job is to help people open up and explore and get comfortable with sort of whomever they are and whatever they're sort of seeking and looking for in this life. And so I think that, you know, I do think about, like, could this be a past life experience that they're working through? you know, how is their loved one who they've lost maybe trying to guide them? So I think about it conceptually in that way, but I might not talk about it in the room with someone that way.
0: So I have two questions. What do you think that we all have guides? Yes, we absolutely do. And why do you think some of us are more open or like, you know, ready to receive that kind of intel from our guides?
1: I think, you know, it's sort of a which comes first, the chicken or the egg. Do you have to see it to believe it or do you believe it to see it? And, and I think that, you know, I don't know. My mom will say to me all the time, like, why did you get to be the one that, that, you know, connected with her? Why do you get to be the one that had these, these experiences? And I, I, I don't know why it spontaneously happened to me. I think. At the time, I would have said I would have been the last person it happened to because I'm so, I'm very much at the time, even way more so than I am now, a type A, very structured, organized person that has shifted over time.
0: Analytical.
1: Analytical, right. Yeah, very yeah. much, you know, in, in that, in that way. And so, I I think that I had this spontaneous experience and it opened me up, and so it allowed for more of that to come in. But I also think that you can get there by opening yourself up, by doing things like meditating, uh, connecting in nature. Honestly, therapy and getting to know yourself and getting to know where your blocks, your blocks are both psychologically, but also energetically, where are you blocked? Because sometimes I think we think we're open to it. I've had people say to me, well, I want to talk to my loved one, but I'm scared. And so you can't hold both of those things simultaneously. You can't hold openness and fear. They're, They're different vibrations. And so when you're stuck in kind of what I think about as more sort of heavier, feelings not negative but they're heavier right we feel heavier when we feel what is deemed negative anger fear scarcity sadness versus when we feel love joy abundance gratitude and so when you're in a place of a lower energetic frequency it's going to be harder to connect even if you don't even if you say you want it
0: mhm so it is really just connecting and and i think when you say energetic too Really embodying right, so much of the time we're up here,, mm-hmm. but bringing it into our body and uh I was thinking of I always think of like pinging the universe, like not necessarily a guide or a person, but you know I'll throw something out and then you show me the sign that I'm on the right path
1: right, and that's what i that's how I think of intuition I mean, I have done regressions and I have met my guides and so one guide i know particularly by name which i know sounds crazy to people who are listening um and i also sometimes i'm like this is really loopy but so i will call in that guide if i feel like i need more guidance i don't feel the presence of my aunt as much anymore because i don't think i need her in the same way anymore But I do feel certainly this one guide in particular that will show up for me pretty strongly. It feels like when I need her and just the universe in that way, you know, you can ask for, for things and wait for it to show up and it will. It might not, it might not show up in the way you wanted it to or thought it would. And I think that's where people get really hung up because it has to be for the highest and best good of your soul. And so you have to trust that what you're getting is that, which might be different from what you want.
0: Right. So I think that you're tapping into kind of a manifestation conversation, right? And and there's so much about manifesting, but I love this key piece I think gets left out of like, it has to be aligned with your highest good and and purpose. Right. It's not just, oh, i I want this thing, I want this object, I want this you know, goal that I've set and and it, even if it feels out of alignment, I'm going to I'm going to picture myself getting it. It's going to happen. But I I think that energetic piece again is really so powerful and feels much more organic in a way.
1: And my energy healer that I work with Talks a lot about in terms of manifesting the internal versus the external. So, when you're manifesting an external thing, an object, you're not manifesting the essence of why you might want that. So, let's take, for example, a car. You know, like if you're manifesting the physical aspect of a car, why? Is it because you want to look great in a new expensive fancy car? Is it because you need a car to get somewhere? What is the essence of why you want what you want? And if it's a, in alignment with your soul and with soul energy, you know, feelings of love, family, joy, compassion, kindness, whatever that is, it will manifest for you. But if it's in Alignment with ego, good luck. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's really hard. And I'm not a manifestation expert, but from what I've learned from her, you you can't manifest things from a place of ego. It has to be from the place of the soul.
0: Mm-hmm. Do you think that our guides are always family?
1: No, 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 no. My mm. I, I think that we have a whole sort of team on the other side. Some of which are, which are loved ones who have crossed, some of which are guides, some of which are angels, some are, which are, some of which are ascended masters. And again, that's not like my wheelhouse. I'm not super well versed in the angels and masters and, and that piece of it. But I do think we always have people who are help, who want to help us. They want a betterment of humanity because the pureness of the soul is about love.
0: Mm. Beautiful. So you are. Are you teaching this? Are you? I. I think I read that you have some courses and working on some. Um, so you don't necessarily bring it into your practice in a. You know more in an underlying way, but how are you sharing this with the world?
1: So I have Besides my podcast. The podcast. Right, right. <laughs> exactly. I have a podcast called Life, Death, and the Space Between, which is which is really. Sort of after I pursued mediumship a little bit, and I worked with a, I studied with a medium for a couple years, tried to learn, did what I call my medium internship, where I had people that I saw for a couple months and did readings, and then realized probably not for me. It just didn't feel like talk about in alignment. It didn't feel in alignment with my soul, and so while I invested time and money in trying to do that, you know, I think that when we're When we're not in alignment, it doesn't matter. And so I sort of let that go. And this podcast became the merger of my psychology and this piece of spirituality to just open other people up and explore. And I am right now working on putting together some courses and maybe a membership program to really help other people deepen their own connection to themselves ultimately and to the essence of who they are because I think that when we're in alignment with those parts of ourselves then our life just becomes easy. Not not without hardships, you know, not pain-free, but definitely feels like it's just easier to live.
0: Yeah. Right, there's an ease, not easiness. Right. Exactly. Right. You're not constantly in struggle.
1: Right. And people will say that's your flow. St- I mean, people have called this different things, right? You're in your flow state or I just I just like to think it's
0: it's ease. Mhm. Mhm. So you're a mom, we were sharing, you know, stories of our little's. Um, do you explore these topics with your kids?
1: Yeah. They, (laughs) it's kind of funny living in my house sometimes (laughs) Uh, because they know like a lot of signs come through electrical, Uh, electricity is a very easy way for loved ones to connect with us, especially when they've most recently crossed over. So people will say like their TV's shorted or lights blinking that don't normally blink. And that's really how initially when I was like, I got to get a hold on this, like my house was like a it was like a crazy electrical field things were going on and off all the time so they know because we have that those experiences and i do talk with them pretty openly about past lives and loved ones I, again this is my belief and they can choose to believe what they choose to believe when they're older but my experience it's it's my belief because it's been my lived experience, and so I want them to be open to that, and I want them to trust to have a sense that the world is a trusting place, and that not only are we as their parents on their side, but that they have the universe there to help guide them and move them forward. And my daughter's a teenager, so I'm not sure she totally buys it. My middle one is actually probably my most intuitive my son and I'll never forget when he was young I took a picture of him and I can't seem to find this picture but he was completely surrounded in a golden light I've never seen anything like it before not just a little tiny orb the entire his entire body was engulfed in this light and he's probably of my three my most intuitive and my most open to it and I see it and I think I also think intuitive people tend to be pretty empathic. And he's always, since he was as young as one years old, I remember just you could see in his eyes that he felt other people's experiences very strongly.
0: So you mentioned the the orbs or the light showing up in photographs. I'm not sure that everybody sort of, I know when I look at a photo, I'll go, I know to look for that now, or when I go to take a photo. But is that for, you know, for someone who's like, well, isn't that just the light in the camera? Explain for us how that manifests as potentially other universe kind of connection. So
1: again, I straddle both parts of this. So there are sometimes where I see things in pictures and I'm like, that's the light of the camera reflecting clearly. And then there's other times where things show up that just either sometimes they're just like little round, almost look like shadows. And sometimes you can see them if you, if you take a series of multiple pictures, sometimes they'll be there and sometimes they won't. So I'm not sure what, ex- what would explain that. And sometimes people in pictures, you can see sort of more of an outline of people. But basically, it's it's energy. And so some would say the camera is like picking up on that energy. Again, I'm sure you could have someone on who is a photographer who would say that's complete <laughs> nonsense. And um it's absolutely the light reflecting off the camera. But I think there are enough experiences that people have had where they have these Things in their pictures, these orbs where it looks like more than that, or it's there and it's not there. I mean, I've, I've had people send me pictures where it it looks like an outline of a person who they're like, that person wasn't in the picture. So I just want people to be open and I want them to be curious and I want them to engage in the world in a way that can be much more fun and playful and beyond what we see.
0: Yeah it also strikes me as something sort of just a choice right to be open be curious believe that there's more than just what we can see in the same way that people have faith in their religion right and we just sometimes move from a space that isn't what we think the primary kind of gut or you know motivator is our mind but if we move from a a deeper level that it feels so much more supported than not.
1: Exactly. That's exactly it. And it doesn't feel like a fight. You know, it feels like you can, it's almost like a trust fall, but you can't fall back if you don't have the trust that you're going to be caught. And so when, when you do have this, I guess, belief system or trust, it makes a difference. You know, I think of my, this professor of mine said to me, the main question that you should ask yourself, and this is a quote from Einstein, is the universe a trusting or hostile place? Because that from the get-go then guides how you see the world.
0: Everything you do. Right. Yeah. Do your kids have or have a sense of their guides?
1: No. My, my son is, is really wanting to do, for me to do, to do a past life regression for him.
0: You're like, maybe for your birthday. Right,
1: right. <laughs> Which I would love to do. I'd be curious what would come up for them and if what they would experience in a past life would be similar to past life regressions that I've had.
0: Right. And see what's different. And- mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: So I, I will. He is the one that's the most interested. My little guy is too little. He's he's in first grade. And my daughter's I think, thinks it's all kind of... <laughs> a little bit a little you know, bit
0: out there like anything i wonder i sort of think that you know like feeding your kids healthy food and then they'll go through a period where they eat nothing but junk but they'll come back to it i think it's the same you just you're laying the groundwork right you're giving them a language to we I mean, we talk about the same stuff in our house and you know they're like why are you burning that wood <laughs> what, what aren't they love to do card pulls and they might not have the same context for it, but they can just explore it in their own sense of how it is, and it's fun right. and it's beautiful,
1: right? And it does it does make life richer, I think. Yeah,
0: yeah, I agree. So, what is bringing you joy these days? I know it's been a tumultuous twenty twenty, but as a mom, a podcaster, a therapist, I mean, you are. It sounds like you have a lot of fires going and you have a lot, but what's really bringing you joy?
1: So the thing that is bringing me the most joy right now are my twin two-year-old nephews, mm. I have to say. So there are nine grandchildren. It's the easiest way to explain it. I have a sister and a brother and each of us has three and they are the caboose, <laughs> the last two. And it was a total surprise. No twins on either side. When my brother called me, I thought he was lying. And these two little amazing humans have come into our lives and just, I could watch them for hours. I think maybe having older kids, I have the perspective of being able to appreciate the pureness. Of a child of the soul of a child that is just so beautiful that when you're a mom, I think it's harder to do. And so I take every opportunity I can to just be with them and eat them up because they <laughs> truly have been, they've, they've fed my soul during this time. I just adore them and being in nature has been a big thing for me. So trying to get somewhere where i can walk in the sand and be by water that's a huge energizer for me is is the water
0: yeah i was just in sedona last for the first time oh and it's it was breathtaking i mean not only is it a vortex of mm-hmm. energy an incredible you know things go wonky on your phone all the time and things show up in pictures but to be connected back to nature is such, it's so soul-filling, isn't it? Mm-hmm.
1: So soul-filling. And I feel it. My body feels different. I feel more open. I feel less like constricted. And it's just, it's just amazing to be able to to do that. And it doesn't have to be a vacation, right? Like you could, we both live in Chicago, um, not far from each other, but you can go to a forest preserve, especially now as the leaves are changing. And I'm just always awestruck by the beauty. I saw the comet. There was a comet that came through this summer and I'm obsessed with, I've always been obsessed with astronomy. Just fascinated by like the cosmos and it's just so hard to to wrap your mind around. But I, I went and saw the, watched the comet go by and the moon this summer. I don't know. I've just been recognizing things that I didn't pay a whole lot of attention to before. And it's been really grounding.
0: Yeah. Our lakefront can be really, really epically beautiful. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe a little bit, I feel like I'm the same way we live in the neighborhood and just the simple, like listening to the birds about, you know, we have a lot of trees in our area and just those, it's almost, it's taking less to just feel that connection because we've been away from it Mm -hmm. or have less ease to just like, oh, I'll just go somewhere. So we really have to seek it out right in our, in our everyday.
1: Well, and I think too, slowing down, I had the experience yesterday, unfortunately, of taking my three children to the eye doctor (laughs) <laughs> and was my kids, we were talking before, my kids still are, are in remote learning and haven't, we haven't really taken up a whole lot of activities, uh, recently mm-hmm. to have them back into just because they're enjoying kind of hanging out at the park if they can. And in that moment where I was racing them to get somewhere and we had an appointment and we had to be there on time, I was, I thought to myself, I don't miss this one that It just puts you in a totally different state of being. So when you were talking earlier about, you know, do you have to see to believe or believe to see, you can't see it when you're in that state all the time. And I think so many of us have lived in that kind of frenetic way of being for so long. And that this opportunity to slow down, while it has certainly come with a lot of Negatives, I guess, or hardships for so many people, there has also been an opportunity to really reevaluate mm-hmm. things.
0: Yeah. And to feel, I think there's just so much feeling available to us when we slow down. Mm-hmm. And that in itself creates that opening. So,
1: yeah. And not everybody loves those feelings because sometimes <laughs> they're not the best feelings, but that doesn't, the, but they're equally as important to feel.
0: Mm. True. Well, thank you for being here. This is fascinating. Um, And please let us know when your courses are out or your membership. I think the world needs more of just ways to, to find in this kind of conversation.
1: Yeah. And my website is dramierobbins.com. And so if people want to go there, they can sign up for my newsletter. In my newsletter, I always do one piece that I call soul wisdom. So it's more, I just sit in meditation and write automatic writing. So whatever kind of comes to me is what I put out. And, and so there's always that piece and then a little piece about staying grounded. And so it's, it's meant to help people just have little nuggets of things that they can apply or think about and their daily life.
0: Great. Thank you so Good. much for having me. Thank you for being here. It was great.
1: Yeah, it was. I love doing this. So thank you.
0: If you love this podcast, and I so hope you did, please subscribe. That way you'll get real-time updates anytime I post a new episode. Feeling inspired and want to share the joy? Leave a review so others can find the podcast more easily. Want to hang out more with me? you can find me on the interwebs at www.anyarock.com. That's A-I-N-E-R-O-C-K. And I'm also on Instagram at Anya underscore rock your joy. Till next time, rock your joy. This episode was produced by Dante32.